how easy it would be to compose a sermon that said nothing at all to supply a text inversely proportional to the significance of the biblical text. This is the Irreverent Sermon Podcast and I'm giving you a message for Sunday the 8th of August's reading on John 6 verse 35 and then verses 41 to 51. It's Daniel French, I'm the Vicar of Salkham. Once every three years in the Church of England's lectionary we get a focus on John 6 for a number of weeks in the summer and as I said earlier on it just would be so easy to spew out sanctimonious waffle, filler, academic nuggets, factoids, spiritual platitudes, all to skirt around lest God forbid as a preacher you, I, <laughs> land on some profound truth. Blah, 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 blah. What Jesus said, as we'll hear in a second, in the latter part of John chapter 6, after the miracle of the loaves and the fishes, was taken as offence in many ways. It is offensive. It is controversial. That's part of the gospel. So let's begin with the text itself. So verse 35 in the reading for Sunday is given as a catch-up. Jesus said to the crowd, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then we go on to verses 41. Then the Jews began to complain about Jesus because he'd said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. They were saying, Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day, as it is written by the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Now your ancestors, they ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Profound truths demand something of us. And you either have to grab it when presented or slide away. What you can't be is somewhere in between. You know, you can't take a profound truth and say, it's, I'm going to let this be semi-significant in my life. It's going to touch upon some bits of my life, but, you know, mostly not. Doing a little research around this, I found that there's one scholar who calls the John 6 speech and the response is the obnoxious discourse. 
verse by verse the complaints against either side ramp up and Jesus makes it harder and harder for the people who are gathered around him to follow him. This is not a people pleaser. We have this image, don't we, of, of Christ as gentle Jesus, sweet and mild. Someone who's never going to ask us to do anything difficult, for goodness sake. Huh. Read John 6, and that's going to turn that upside down. So let's list a few things. Uh, to the pious, uh, by that, what the scripture calls the Jews. It's not an anti-Semitic word here by any means. It just means the, the pious, the religious of the time, the monotheists. Um, to the pious, he claims outrageously that he comes from heaven. That's a big no-no. Uh, that eternal life and resurrection are solely his gift. To some that will seem heresy. That only he has ever seen God. That heaven is locked up. This is going to get some consumer resistance. Uh, you can only get eternal life on the condition of believing in him. And to get all of this, the ending of uh, today's scripture says... We have to consume him and all of this cosmic reality which he is at the epicenter of intersects at his flesh and you can interpret that I suppose in a number of ways it's the cross of Calvary um, it's his very being it's the real presence of the Eucharist um, to get eternal life we have to enter into that cosmic reality we have to consume it will allow him to consume us. Um, but those are the conditions of eternal life. Some years back, uh, a uh, person who was terminally ill said to me that they didn't want a sermon at their funeral because uh, all this Christianity stuff, resurrection, hope and so on, it would be too upsetting for the atheist mourners to hear that. There's kind of a truth in that, actually. Though I kind of danced around by saying it, it, it wouldn't. We had to agree to disagree. I suppose what I'm saying is there was an honesty in the complaint. In next week's final part of John 6, uh, there's the hauntingly verse 666, which tells us that most people left him. As I said, this is not a people pleaser. He is not giving the crowd what they want. So I want to conclude by just speaking into this. Because the last 18 months have tested us all. I think there's a relevance to the text, to our current situation. As you may know from some of the things that I've written and spoke about, I'm yet to be convinced as Christians that we've done justice to the existential realities that are the core of the gospel during this pandemic. That we've talked too much as churches about health and safety and nowhere near enough about 
the salvation of the soul and what it means, for instance, in the time of a pandemic, to come face to face with our own mortality. Particularly when the scriptures tell us that, above all, we should seek eternal life. And I worry that as churches we're going to pay the price for this in the long term. Because people will look back and say, where were you when we needed you most? When we needed the sacraments, you lot closed the doors. When we needed places to come in for consolation and prayer, these supposedly sacred hallowed spaces that are different than anywhere else, that contain almost a kind of godly magic, you went along with the powers that be in deeming them to be no different from a theatre or a gymnasium or a school. Well, I, I, I could go on, um, but it's not appropriate for me to be ranting here. But have we lived as if the bread of life is the most powerful presence on the planet and in our lives as Christian people? Um, bread of heaven, feed me now forevermore. Bread of heaven, feed me now forevermore unless the government tells us not to. Do you see what I'm saying? So for me it's symbols. Either Jesus is the bread of life or he's not. What he can't be is somewhere in between. Either the churches and our sacraments are tabernacles of eternal life, the singular means to salvation, or they're not. St Irenaeus, the Eucharist is the medicine of immortality. Or it's not. You know, Jesus is the centre of our lives and our concerns, or he isn't. We either see him as the very bread that keeps us going, or he's just one of a series of spiritual snacks that you can pick and choose from. Jesus Christ does not present himself as one of many lifestyle options. As much as we might want him to, he doesn't. If we think... He's just the son of Joseph. He's just a nice teacher. Maybe he's the nicest teacher ever. Then we've got him wrong. And we're just like those people who followed him, who were complaining amongst themselves, who rejected his teachings, who in the end slinked off because it was all too much to digest. He presents himself as the one who teaches the words of God, who is the word of God. He presents himself as the only one who has seen the Father. He presents himself as our ultimate sustenance. He and only he holds the keys to life beyond the grave, as well as a spirit-filled life in this world. I know as pastors, as priests, you know, with the challenges put upon us, particularly at the moment, we can get a bit irked. And maybe I've been a bit downbeat, you know, and I'm wondering, you know, where are we going with all this? Are we, are we losing our religion? But then there can be moments of serendipity too, like when Peter, well, here later on in John 6, is able to say, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. And I had a, a 
parishioner, a young parishioner who came to the door in the first lockdown, essentially begging for the Eucharist, saying that he felt Eucharistically starved, that he couldn't go on without the bread of life. How wonderful. Over a thousand believers like that, you could really build uh, a church of tigers. The words of Aquinas. Thou who all things canst and knowest, who on earth such food bestoweth, grant us with thy saints thou lowest, where the heavenly feast thou showest, fellow heirs and guests can be. Thank you very much for listening and many blessings.